Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome in, everybody, to the Pro Football Show for this Thursday, April 2nd, as we move closer and closer, inch closer and closer to the NFL draft. Got a number of things to get to today. We're going to talk about some defensive linemen that we've talked about on uh, certainly on our college podcast, which if you've not a regular listener, listener to that, you really should be because we have covered so many film room nuggets on draft prospects through the college podcast. And it's really good because we we break the country down into regions on each show. We talk college football every day, and we talk at the top the latest in college football from a national sense. But then we kind of recap the past week in college football. Well, within that, it's not just the news and notes on recruiting and certainly no spring practice this year. Uh, but we talk a lot about draft prospects so we've got a lot of information but we've uh, mentioned at some point um, about a number of these guys but I'm going to go into some detail draft room style scouting reports uh, on Caleb Von Chason, AJ Epineza and Ross Blacklock and uh, how would they bring to the table and certainly you can get the detailed um, film room analysis and scouting reports on LandryFootball.com where we have our draft board so uh, you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of that and are a member of LandryFootball.com, particularly this time of year. We're also going to take a look at the AFC North, recent drafts, kind of the needs, uh, how things shake up there. And we've obviously got some free agency news, uh, more draft room nuggets, a lot of things happening behind the scenes, some miscellaneous stuff that we want to get to as uh, well. We'll also get to some questions. Um, see, Nick and Mackie both uh, got some questions. Um, we'll get to the, uh, those. And a reminder, if you've got a question that you want to, uh, us to address here uh, on the podcast, uh, this podcast or the college podcast, send them along. Go to uh, LandryFootball.com, hit Contact Chris, and uh, send them to me. I will absolutely uh, address them. Um, a reminder, this podcast brought to you by great friends, friends at 401k generation. If you got a business, 
wish to set up a 401k for your employees or you left a job and you wish to say you had a 401k and you wish to roll it over to an IRA or whatever your questions are, whatever your needs are, you're not sure what your needs are, you're not sure what you're doing, you have no idea what the hell's going on in the market today, well, you know what's going on, but what does it mean? Where is it headed? They've got answers. You've got questions. They've got answers on financial planning, money management, investments. Eddie Rojas and his team at 401k Generation has the answers. They can help you. If you've got somebody that you use, that's okay. You can get a second opinion from them. If you don't have somebody, maybe it's good to speak with someone. I always like to say, get your financial checkup. We are all concerned, as we should be, in today's world with health issues, health concerns. Uh, We need to make sure that we are taking care of your medical checkups each and every year. Get yourself a financial checkup. Make sure that. I think that helps your mental health as well. So they're licensed in all 50 states. So wherever you're listening to this podcast in the continental United States, they can help you. So give them a call today. Give them a text today, 1-866-998-5879. And if you're looking to promote your business, you're looking to brand your business, we can help you do that. Just go to LandryFootball.com, hit Contact Chris. We will get in touch with you very quickly and make that happen. Uh, We can absolutely do that in these tough times. It's important to... Make sure that you keep your business thriving. Keep your, uh, make sure that what services you can offer are out in front of everybody. And uh, make sure that they get to know you. We can absolutely help you do that. So, again, hit contact Chris on LandryFootball.com, and we will absolutely get in touch with you. And make sure that you're getting this podcast to your phone, as well as the college podcast each and every day. Uh, by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts. And then finally, reminder again of our discount for scouting season over at LandryFootball.com. Draft boards are up. Free agent boards have been up. Um, scouting reports, you name it. All the news and nuggets, what's going on, the inside information. Draft is coming upon us. You want to make sure that you're on top of everything and you can do that best by going to LandryFootball.com. It will take you inside the draft room, inside the meeting rooms, and give you the type of information that we are providing NFL teams, viewpoints. So for less than a magazine subscription, less than $5 a month, you can get access to your own scouting department. Less than $5 a month if you take advantage of the scouting season offer. You want to just try it out for a month or three months, you've got those options as well. But check into it today. So, a lot to get to. Let's get to it. Um, just some news that uh, we always like to get into that, and then we'll get into kind of take a look at the North teams and we'll take a look at uh, some of these prospects uh, in depth. But we're going to get to a whole bunch. So, uh, and, and not necessarily in any particular order, but wanted to, um, in touching base with the Colts, um, we know that they made the move with Phillip Rivers. They made it clear this offseason that they wanted to address the quarterback situation. It's not like they've given up on Jacoby Brissett, but 
they're also not sold on him yet, and it's a work in progress, and they didn't want to go in with that idea. Remember, they were really caught behind the eight ball when Andrew Luck decided to hang it up in preseason when they really couldn't do anything about it, and it's nothing against Andrew Luck. I think he wanted to give it one more year and uh, felt like, um, you know, he didn't want to do it. We won't revisit that whole situation, but it's come out. We've talked about it in our notebook uh, over at LandryFootball.com that they did do their research on Tom Brady. We talked about them as being a viable player. Now, I don't know how viable it came to being reality or close to being a reality situation. But it was something that internally they discussed and discussed very thoroughly. I don't know uh, what led to maybe the decision of Philip Rivers. I, well, I, I do know what led to it. Uh, I know the comfort level of Frank Wright being around him, with Frank in his time with, in San Diego with Philip, had a lot to do with it. I, I don't know that maybe the feedback or maybe the interest level from Tom Brady wasn't quite to what their liking was, because I do think that Tom Brady and Philip Rivers are very much in the same same boat. I I don't know if either or both of them can play two years or three years or just one more year, but I think we're they're kind of in the same boat. And I think obviously the variable is going to be injuries and circumstances, but I I do think that personally that it made more sense that Tom Brady might have been the better fit over Philip Rivers, I certainly thought. But is that ultimately what the Colts thought? Or they just felt like they needed to get one of them and maybe didn't get enough of a good feeling that Tom Brady was seriously interested and did not want to lose out on both. I think it really came down to that. They looked at a lot of options. Nick Foles wasn't something they felt that was viable. They looked into Andy Dalton. I think they felt like he needed to agree to reduce his salary. Um, they they saw Rivers as a better option than Foles. So that's how it came to be uh, with Phillip Rivers being it. My guess is, and it's a an educated guess on there's a comfort level with Frank Wright with Philip Rivers, and that led to Philip having the interest in Indianapolis. And I think Brady had eyes towards Tampa and maybe that situation a little bit more. And I think it was bird in the hand better than two in the bush and didn't want to get shut out. And that's what led to the decision. In the same division, Unique Nindakwe has made no bones about it that he wants out of Jacksonville. He's been franchise tagged. He insists that he wants to be traded because he's got some issues with the organization. We know that's not new news inside Jacksonville. It usually has been tied in the past to Jalen Ramsey and a couple of other guys, and it it was – tied to Tom Coughlin, who's no longer there. Um, So we'll see where this goes, but apparently the problems have left to, you know, even with Tom leaving, 
has left everyone to believe that this is not going to be something that's going to be reconciled. You know, for Jacksonville, you need to put the tag on him. You've got to try to trade him. You've got to try to get as much as you can for him, or else he's going to walk. And certainly you could play it out and let him play this year, but you're dealing with you're dealing with a situation where there's going to be a holdout. You're not going to not going to report to camp to absolutely has to. Again, assuming everything goes off time anyway. So it is a mess, uh, and one that um, this is where players can have some leverage, in some sense. But you've got to nip things in the bud, and I don't know. And everyone will speculate. Well, this is what happened. This is, what, you know, these are the type of things that fester, and are probably the more underrated things that go on in an organization that must be nipped in the bud before it comes to the surface because now you're talking about an elite player that you're going to have to leave and, and you're going to have a hard time rep- – I mean, you, you do everything you can to get a player of this caliber on your team. And now, not a bad guy, but things go sideways and all of a sudden it doesn't work out and you got to move on. And now you got to go find somebody that can replace that you can replace a guy like this, and you're having to try to trade him with uh, the idea that it's you're going to have to take the best deal that you can because you're not in a leveraged position with a team that knows that there's going to be limited options. So it'll be interesting to see where this may go and what the trade options might be for Jacksonville. Logan Ryan, meanwhile, remains a free agent. But there is a possibility of him returning to Tennessee. I know that John Ryan, John Robinson, John Ryan, um, John Robinson has maintained contact with Logan Ryan's agent. And uh, we'll see. It's it's holding out, looking for a $10 million offer. It was one of those deals where they said, look, see what it's out there. See what you could get, but stay in touch with us. Um. We'll see how that plays out, and we'll see where it could go. And, you know, it, it's possibility. But we'll see, it really depends upon what options he has out there. And right now, the market's not that big to where it's an overwhelming thought that he's going to leave, but still likely going to have some options. See where that develops. They're not satisfied the Titans are with their spots. And, uh, you know, Logan Woodside, Dalen Dawkins, uh, but they've got to certainly look for some options. And, you know, the draft process now has become the center stage for all the teams. And the second wave of free agency, unless you get the right deal for a team, it's not your priority. And so you're kind of focused on getting it done in the draft. And what you can't get done in the draft, then you can turn back to free agency and see what is still there, still what still is still available. And that makes a player, by the way, more or less marketable, depending upon the teams that are looking for that position. Have they filled it in the draft? Or have they not filled it? You know, that that really uh kind of dictates kind of where it goes. Um the Cowboys meanwhile. Going to sign Alden Smith, formerly of the Niners. Remember him to a one-year, $2 million contract. Still awaiting full reinstatement from the league. But typical Cowboys taking a chance. And 
listen, it's not a high-risk one. This is one that, understand, he hadn't played a snap since 2015 because of a series of off-the-field issues. Multiple DUI arrests, domestic assaults, 30 years old. Uh, is he sober and in shape? Well, they think he is. We'll see. We'll see about his reinstatement. We'll see where he is. We'll see where his head is. There's not a lot of risk there. The money's not guaranteed. So it's a kick the tires, see where it leads. It It's certainly not a good look publicly to have a guy with his background. And, and certainly the hopes and the expectations of a guy like that, it's not real good. We're talking now, 2015, last time he's played. So not a lot of optimistic views, but we know this guy is a, an elite talent <clears throat> at one point. And let's see what he has, is anything. And if he's gotten himself life straight off the field. Seahawks signed Benson Mawile. Formerly the Raiders to a one-year contract. Set a new career high with seven sacks last year in Oakland. Productive rotational rusher. Um, still want to address that position. Still pursuing Jadavian Clowney of the Seahawks. But this is a really good signing as a rotational guy. It's a good second-wave signing for them. Um, speaking of Clowney, he's now seeking in that 18, 17, $18 million range. Uh, not the $20 million, which, again, the market dictates what you're going to get. No longer is $20 million realistic, but teams haven't been willing to, to go in that direction. What's the market going to be 17-18? I think probably going to need to take it to the draft, maybe through the draft, see if he gets a deal he's comfortable with, or then take it post-draft and maybe even – into training camp. Now, we'll have a little different situation. If training camp's delayed and you don't have injuries, securing a home might be something that might necessitate him taking a little bit less. Still has value out there. No one's, you know, people ask me all the time, why don't people want Jadavian Clowney? A lot of people want Jadavian Clowney. It's just at the right price. You know, at $20 million, people weren't willing to go there. Um, 17, 18, maybe, may, you know, maybe, uh, maybe 16, 15, 16, a lot of people. We'll see how this plays out, but that's kind of where it is. The Patriots release, uh, Cody Kessler expected. It trims a little under a million dollars off the team books. It leaves Jarek Stidham and Brian Hoyer. Um, there's still, I don't know that Cam Newton, is a possibility or not down the road if people can figure out the medical situation with them. I don't know what options are there for Bill that he would consider at quarterback. I don't think they're completely done, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but it's clearly right now Jared Stidham until they can add somebody else to the mix. Um the Texans signed Tim Jernigan, formerly of the Eagles, to a one-year deal, $3.75 million. It's $1.25 guaranteed. Um, they didn't need to bring him back in Philly. They've got uh, Javon Hargrave and 
Hassan Ridgeway under contract. Um, so good move for he'll take a larger role ahead of Andy Vanderhoes, you know, considering that D.J. Reader's exited to Cincinnati makes some sense for the Texans. You know, back to Clowney again, he's another guy that John Robinson of the Titans have been involved in. Um, they've still got some cap space uh, in Tennessee. Got obviously did the deal with Ryan Tannehill. They tagged Derrick Henry. They're trying to work on a long-term deal with him. But Clowney is, is somebody that they're looking at. That Tennessee feels like they're in a position to make a run. Obviously, they had a really good team this past year, and they feel comfortable about it. They also signed um, Camilla Correa to a one-year contract, worth up to $3.5 million, uh, depending on in, the meeting incentives. He's 26 later this month. Career best year, five sacks, played 593 snaps with the Titans. Former second-round pick um, of the Ravens was traded to the Titans ahead of the 18th season. Um, he's done a really good job for him, and um, he's going to compete with Vic Beasley and Harold Landry and Reggie Gilbert for snaps um, in that defense. And the Dolphins signed uh, punter Matt Hack to a one-year $2 million, $2.1 million contract. Um, some other notes, Chargers, you know, they keep talking about Tyrod Taylor. And, look, he's their starting quarterback as it stands right now. I think that Tyrod Taylor could still be the starting quarterback come the season, but the future quarterback of the Chargers I don't think is Tyrod Taylor. I think the future starting quarterback is probably going to be drafted in a couple of weeks, April 23rd to be exact. Elsewhere, uh, Mike Pouncey with a neck injury has been medically cleared to practice. Um, it's expected. He had the career-threatening injury back in October. Uh, they added Brian Balaga and Trey Turner to shore up the pass pro. So it'll be interesting as they're moving with Tyrod and a young quarterback, fix the offensive line. Uh, they're, they're certainly – feel like they can compete. You know, the West will obviously get to each and every division. We're going to do the AFC North today. But Chargers will be real interesting. Chiefs are the team to beat. The Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. We'll see if the Raiders can get better. I don't know that they – I'd say that they're better. I think the Chargers may be a little bit. I think Denver has definitely improved this offseason. It's going to be an interesting race behind Kansas City in that division. Um, Sean Payton has mentioned more than a few times of his uh, belief in Taysom Hill and his role as a future starting quarterback. I, you've heard me on record saying I love Taysom Hill, but I like him in the jack-of-all-trades mold. I don't see him as the quarterback, the future starting quarterback of the Saints. I, I don't see him that way. I'm not coaching him, and I have immense respect for Sean. He's, Sean's with him regularly. He believes him. Um, but I also wonder, too, and we'll get into a little bit more uh, in a second, about quarterbacks in this draft, how much of a player the Saints might be. I mean, I, I, think, I think it's true. I think he believes in Taysom Hill. I think he believes he can do it. But is it the best fit for them? I'm pretty certain this is Drew Brees' last year. Um, 
I think, you know, that, that there's a quarterback option in the draft that I think he'd like to turn to, uh, whether he's in a position to get him and add to the mix. I don't know that the future quarterback of the Saints is on the roster. I'm not sure that I thought Teddy Bridgewater was it long-term either. But we'll see um, as it goes. But, but he, you know, certainly the role that he has, they're going to have to add a third quarterback on game day. Um, look, even though they, they, they paid him the first-round tender, they, they understand the value in Taysom is the jack-of-all-trades role. And I always felt like, look, if he's number two, and I, I think they need an experienced number three, or, you know, they're going to have to figure out how the reps are going to be taken. Because I think that what they want is Taysom maybe to take more snaps at quarterback this year, but continue to be the jack-of-all-trades guy that is so valuable to what they can do in that offense. But they've got to add a third quarterback there. Because you can't have the jack-of-all-trades guy out there doing all the things that he does if you're one play away from now you got nobody. You don't have a quarterback. So stay tuned. Another quarterback's coming, and we'll see how this plays out. You may get a veteran. Maybe there's the right rookie that they feel they can put a package in for. That's what I'm um, curious to see. We talked a little bit about uh, New England. As I said, I think it's still Jared Stedham at this point. Still think we may revisit an Andy Dalton situation if the price comes down in terms of asking price for trade and a reduction of a contract by Andy Dalton. I'm not quite sure how that's going to play out. Stay tuned. Um, There's been a lot of talk, and I've answered a lot of questions about Jordan Love and where does he fit in this year's draft. And we're going to obviously get to his breakdown uh, and certainly on LandryFootball.com. But we'll get and talk a little bit about him. And Jordan Love has got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of ability. He's certainly generating a lot of interest. Um, And the Saints – are one of the teams that are interested in him. It's just, you know, where do you take a guy? We always talk about this all the time, don't we? Quarterbacks that, in terms of value, more of a 6'4", 6'0", grade value, second-round value, that's absolutely 100% going in the first round. A, you get the fifth-year option on the contract, but if you're going to take a quarterback, you're going to have to at least, at least a half a round higher in terms of where you need to take them to get them. So if you like them and you believe in them, you're going to have to overpay and you're going to have to develop. And look, I mean, can you overpay? Is it overpaying? If you feel he can be your future starter down the road, it's not overpaying. What I'm saying is there's an inherent risk with, Maybe the guy not being as good and passing over better players, that's always the issue. But if you do not have a quarterback right now, or if you're in a situation where you're a year away from not having your quarterback, something you got to figure out. And you're compelled to fix it or find it if you don't have it. And so we're seeing some teams that are really interested. Look. You're dealing in a situation where teams like the Saints, the Packers, maybe the Raiders, 
um, the Colts. Well, let's just say the Saints-Packers right there. Those, okay, the future. Aaron Rodgers is going to be around for a little longer, but would they want to draft a young quarterback at some point? Well, if he were there, maybe they'd consider it. Saints, we've kind of gone over their situation. Well, the Chargers. Chargers need quarterback. I think they I don't know that they definitely like Justin Herbert over Jordan Love. I suspect that they do, but will they get Justin Herbert? I mean, you're sitting there. Chargers are sitting there and at um six, I mean, we're looking at the distinct possibility of, well, certainly Burrow, maybe Tua. Is Justin Herbert definitely going to be there? Maybe. Maybe they like love more. Maybe they're certainly wanting to make sure that if if they're in a position where they want to not only take that option at six, but maybe move down a little, or... Uh, want to do their due diligence to make sure that they're comfortable. Uh, I think that they're in play for a quarterback. The Raiders. You know the Raiders are always quarterback shopping, always looking. Is Derek Carr the future? For John Gruden, don't know. John's always, always infatuated with the the pretty girl. Pretty girl being the quarterback. Colts need a quarterback of the future. That's interesting. That's an interesting possibility. And I've always felt like, boy, at 13, you know, could be. I mean, you know that, You, how do you feel about him? How do you feel about him um, at the quarterback position as opposed to Jacoby Brissett? That's what they've got to decide. So a lot of decisions there. It's going to lead to him getting drafted high. He's got a lot of physical tools. Teams that are in need of a quarterback now in the future. It's made it difficult, as we all know, in the pre-draft process to visit with these guys. It's tough. You're going to have to decide whether you want to take a guy this high based upon a Zoom or Skype interview. You're very fortunate if you spent time with this guy at the Combine or any player, certainly if you've coached any of these players in the draft at the Senior Bowl or spent time with them at the Combine, it's a distinct advantage as opposed to very unusual circumstances where you're not able to do that. So we'll see. The Dolphins are, very, you know, I think are probably high on love. They're, they're going to tell people they're very high on a lot of folks. You know, they move up to get Burrow. Well, how are you going to move up to get Burrow unless Cincinnati wants to do that? Don't know that they will. Don't know that that's a possibility. We shall see. Um, but love is, is certainly the physical type of talent that, um, you know, certainly took a step back, coaching change, but a lot of people – or excited about the potential. By the way, the Dolphins currently possess the most number of picks, 14, in the draft. We know all the trades and everything, and um, you know, and still ended up going six and ten. But they hold three first-round picks: five, 18, for via Pittsburgh for 
think Minka Fitzpatrick, and then 26 with Houston. And two second-rounders, one third-rounder, one fourth-rounder, three fifth-rounders, one sixth-rounder, and three seventh-rounders. On the other side of the ledger, the Saints have a league-low five picks. All right, we're going to get into the AFC North, but I wanted to talk a little bit about a few defensive linemen. We're going to start with Calavon Chasson, LSU. Interesting prospect. Um, when you take a look at him measurement-wise, He's 6030, 254, 9 and 7 8 inch hands, 32 and 2 8 inch arms, 79 and 2 8 inch wingspan. He uh, did not run, and obviously not going to have the pro day. He's a 465 guy. Only played two years of high school football at North Shore High School in Houston, Texas. Still highly ranked as a recruit. Collected 50 tackles, 13 tackles for losses. Create a lot of big plays, force fumbles. Really big reason for them winning the state title in his senior year. Five-star recruit. Um, rushed the passer just 146 times before the 2019 season. Um, recorded 16 pressures across those snaps. And even in his career year this past season, he logged just a 78% pass rush grade, performed better as the season wore along, recorded four more pressures in each of the last four games of the season, but it's been inconsistent production-wise. So it's a little bit of a concern in that regard. You're betting on the come with them, and people have asked me a little bit about them in the league, about, you know, what are, what are we getting here? And there's a little bit of a risk. It's, it's definitely you're drafting the tools, not the production. The skills are there to be a dominant pass rusher, but he hasn't done it. Why hasn't he become a really elite pass rusher at this point? Um, he's never taken over a game like great pass rushers do. As I mentioned, the highest pass rush grade was this past season at 76% grade. <laughs> you know, he never turned it down, though. He never... Just had a completely bad game where he just went in a in a shell. He had multiple pressures in every SEC game. He rushed at least 15 times. And only one true below-average grade against Alabama from a grade-by-grade play standpoint. Uh, he demolished top-notch tackles. But then there are times where he got handled by somebody that is less talented than he is. Legitimate speed-to-power moves. Despite his size, he plays with better power than his size would indicate. He has some reps. I just don't know how he stayed on his feet. He's just got incredible balance. Ability to play with great angles. Great contact balance. Holds the 250 pounds easily. Very explosive at the weight. Off-the-ball linebacker agility can get home on stunts in a hurry. Wins on tape against guys like Andrew Thomas. Samuel Cosme from Texas is another one you're going to see playing in the league. 
And he's only had 500, about 515 pass rush snaps in three years. Needs a head of steam a little bit with his pass rush moves, which is why he's a little bit better in a stand-up position. Not much from tight alignments. Really doesn't have a lot of secondary moves as a pass rusher to speak of. He wins on contact or not at all. I think you're gonna have he's gonna have to develop pass rush moves a little bit better. And he gets caught chasing upfield in the run game a little bit, takes himself out of some plays. Um I mean he has to be outside the tackle. When he's lined up outside the tackle, seven hundred and three snaps, off the ball thirty nine steps this past year. He's got a little bit of a Bud Dupree in him. A little bit of uh, Samson Ubilkum from the Rams. A um, little bit of both. Um, I would say that Chase is a little smaller than Bud Dupree. Um, but Dupree didn't have top-tier production coming out of college, despite being a really good athlete. In the SEC, took him time to mature, and he's starting to become a really good player for Pittsburgh. Could be the case here with Caleb Vaughn. He's, you know, worked early in the rotation, but again, the ACL, I think, set him back. That explains some of the lack of production and the development not being what you like. And and I thought he worked to come back, and that's really important too. But just lightning quick off the snap. Just great snap anticipation, first step quick, quickness, rare bend. I mean, rare ability to bend, dip his shoulders, and shorten the corner. And he just doesn't win with speed either. He can can come back with a little bit of swipe move and length and arm. He's got to improve his technique, but he's really got natural ability. He's just raw, doesn't have inside rush moves. More of an outside guy. Those guys have really good value, though. You look at him. Will he work? Yes. Is he a good kid? Yes. Is he raw? Yes. Can you develop and improve that? Yes. Does he have things you can't teach? Hell yes. Really good player. I think has a chance to go really high, and I think mid-first round is probably where he's going to go. I want to talk a lot, talk a little bit about A.J. Epineza from Iowa. We've talked about him a couple of times in different forums. And A.J. Uh, is a really good-looking player, someone that I've studied quite a bit as I've done all these guys, of course. But he's <clears throat> interesting in that. First of all, he's 605 10 and 1-8-inch hands, 34 and 4-8-inch arms, 81 and 2-8-inch wingspan, 504 40 17 on the beds, 32 and a half vertical, 9-9 broad jump, 4-4-6 short shuttle, 7-3-4-3 cone. Five-star kid, 6-4, 230-pound guy as a freshman. From Edwardsville High School. Um, really developed very, very well. Um, from the state of Illinois. Just grew, developed, built his body. 
not flashy, steady, not twitchy or overly athletic. But this guy can rush the passer by shortening the corner, using his leverage, hands. Watch him against Wisconsin and Minnesota and a number of folks. He hasn't been a true power end prospect like him in a while. I mean, this this guy is a different type guy. He's the opposite of Chason. He's much more productive. Much more of a guy you can line up as a power in. Um, to me, he's got a little Cam Jordan in him. He reminds me a lot of Trey Flowers. I don't know that I'm ready to say he can beat Cam Jordan, but Cam Jordan is just one hell of a player. Jordan was a very good defensive end who lacked elite traits. He had depended on power moves. Um, you know and he's become a great player. This is what Epineza can be. And I think every bit the technician, every bit the worker, uh, I think Trey Flowers has become an outstanding player. Um, if you look at him, he has the length, the power, the versatility to be a really good every-down player in any scheme, great size, not going to be moved one-on-one, violent hands, powerful, can ragdoll offensive lineman, fluid, flexible, for a guy his size, really good. Can sink his hips into contact, maintains good leverage, particularly for a guy his tall, very impressive. Produces the pass rusher, even in a run-heavy Iowa scheme defense. Can rush the passer. Keep his body clean versus the run and the pass. Good separation. Um you know, on the edge, you're not talking about great closing bursts. Um, long arms, high swat. You know, I, I think that, you know, he's rock solid, plug and play. You don't have to worry about him. And, you know, I, I think you in the end, you might have a Trey Flowers or a Cam Jordan. Like the kid a lot. Ross Blacklock, defensive tackle from TCU. Ross is really interesting. He's 6031, 290, 9 and 6 8 inch hands, 32 and 3 8 inch arms, 78 and 6 8 inch wingspan, 4940, 28220, 17010. 27 vertical, 811 broad jump, 467 uh, short shuttle, 777 three cone. Um, Dad was a basketball player at Texas. In fact, he's coach for the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, Black Lock just developed into a big, big athlete that liked basketball but realized that football was his future. Four-star recruit coming out. Just full, two full seasons of planning experience. He missed all of 18 with an injury. Relatively average 17 film grade. Uh, graded out just about 69 overall percent. Um, really improved coming back from injury in 19. Um, really solid. As a pass rusher, he was above average for his position. Still has a ways to go. You know, TCU runs a defensive scheme with an emphasis on using a lot of stunts, and that's where a lot of his production comes from. His win rate on stunts and pressures are very good. 
lots of experience there. But he's got top-tier athleticism for an interior defensive tackle. Uh, not a lot of technical proficiency to speak of. You know, may not be an instant hit, but I think will be a very, very good player. Uh, I see a little Gerald McCoy in him, a little Sheldon Richardson in him, uh, a little Javon Hargrave in him. I think this guy can play. I think this guy is very underrated. Um you got guys that can move at 300 pounds like this. You you really got to look at them. The natural ability, good kid, uh, just so tough for guards to match up against. Rare flexibility for a guy that big. Can play so low. Um, you know, the, the scheme there is not conducive to rushing the passer and wasn't given the freedom to rush. So I think he's got more there than with the tape can show in college he can fly I mean he really makes a lot of plays sideline to sideline when the opportunity presents itself um, he shoots his hands very well in the run game he locks out on linemen very well high motor guy uh, not content to sit on a block so many you know rushes that that doesn't quite pan out again something is scheme oriented um, swimming bull rush is about it He's got some technique work, but I like this guy. I think this guy has really good value. I think he's a guy that uh, I think is a first-round graded player. I would absolutely consider him um, certainly in that mid-first-round area, and I think defensive linemen are so tough to find that can be impactful, and this guy's really, really um, got a lot of ability. He tore his uh, Achilles back in 18. No issues there going forward, but that led to his problem. But strong all-around skill set, no question about it. Uh, difficult to block one-on-one. Um, you know, not great playing on double teams. A little bit slow recognizing, but a lot of that is the scheme, how they play. So a lot of people will misevaluate him, but not understanding from a technique standpoint and an assignment standpoint what they're asking him to do. I think this guy's a really underrated player. And uh, – I think great value mid-first round. All right, let's take a look at the AFC North and some team needs and what teams have done, what teams might consider to do here in this draft. Start with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they were obviously, we forget, well, some people forget how good of a season they had. You know, obviously not getting it done in the playoffs always leads to that. But Lamar Jackson. What this team did, all-time single-season rushing records as a team. First team in NFL history to average at least 200 yards rushing and 200 net passing in a game in a season, finishing with 206 rushing, 201 net passing. Dual-threat quarterback and was as dynamic as anybody as a dual-threat guy. Finished the regular season ranked six among players with 1,200 yards rushing. Could throw the football downfield, ranked first in the NFL with – 36 touchdown passes, and third with 113.3 passer rating. Unanimous NFL MVP. Finished the season 14-2. and two. Franchise record for wins. Won the AFC North of the second consecutive year. Top seed in the AFC playoffs. Um, lots of good players. 12 players named to the Pro Bowl. Um, finished the regular season ranked third in scoring defense, even though they didn't start out that great on defense take a look at kind of what they've done 
recently. You know, Ozzie Newsom's done a good job. Eric, he's still there, lending a guiding hand to Eric DaCosta. Uh, the 2015 class only has Nick Boyle left, but letting Zadarius Smith and Darren Waller get away looks questionable in hindsight. The 2016 class produced Ronnie Stanley, Matt Judon, Slot Corner Taven Young, 17 groups a little bit thin, but Marlon Humphrey looks like a good one. Um, Lamar Jackson, obviously. Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown, Hayden Hurst. Um, the 19 class also saw several players have good roles. Um, Perriman didn't work out in 15. But they, they continued to do a really good job last year. Class, Marquise Brown, Hollywood, started out fine, but uh, topped just 15 yards just once after week two. Jalen Ferguson, quiet start, but earned a starting job in the second half of the season. Played pretty well. Miles Barkin was a regular starter. Drew just 22 targets, but averaged 15.2 yards per catch, three touchdowns. Justice Hill played sparingly in a crowded backfield, but did a pretty good job. Ben Powers competed at left guard in camp. Healthy scratch all year except for week 17. Iman Marshall. USC corner spent the first half of the season on IR, played just four defensive snaps. Dalen Mack played just one game before landing on IR in November. Trace McSorley, healthy scratch. You know, uh, Brown and Boykin kind of flash with consistent volume, but it's a group that may provided many early contributors. So there's some promise there. So where do they go? What have they done? Calais Campbell's acquired in the trade. Jacksonville in exchange for a fifth-round pick. Um, Two-year, $27 million deal with Campbell. Pros pro. They put the franchise tag on Matt Judon. They placed the original round tender on Matt Skur at center. Jimmy Smith re-signed a one-year deal. Jihad Water agreed to return on a one-year deal. Derek Wolf agreed to a one-year deal. So Campbell and Wolf really helps at that position, and, and again, what they can get done with Matt Jude on long-term will be interesting, or do they draft that replacement? That's something they need to look at. Um, they need depth on the offensive line. They look for players who can play multiple positions. I think another receiver is in order. Edge rusher, inside backer, guard, receiver. Um, this is kind of what we're looking at. Um, don't think you know they're in a they're in the mix for Clowney, but we'll see. And we'll see in terms of draft fits. You look at where they they're picking. What are the options? They're obviously picking pretty late. Who's going to be there? What are the options there? Um, I would not. Um, I mean, I think there's a linebacker there they could look at. Could Kenneth Murray be an answer? Um. Maybe a little bit early for Jonathan Grenard there and a couple of other defensive ends that are on the board. Um, Justin Jefferson, is he still available at that point? Those things um, I think will key. Now, I think their weaknesses as a team were exposed in the playoffs. Derrick Henry, so, you know, and the pass rush, you know, that defensive front needs to be upgraded. So linebacker, certainly with Campbell, who's really good at setting the edge, and, um, and and Derek Wolf, you know, but it doesn't preclude them from taking a defensive lineman if they slip. A young guy certainly would be in order. But 
that it, along with linebacker, um, certainly an edge rusher, a receiver. There's some depth at receiver. So we'll see. I think there will be some options there um, uh, for the Ravens. Cincinnati, as you look at the Bengals, they're up first. The presumptive pick, obviously, Joe Burrow. But, you know, it wasn't long ago that the Bengals were a consistent playoff team. They reached the postseason regularly from 2009 to 2015, made the playoffs in six of seven seasons, won three AFC Central titles. A decent run, even if it never resulted in one playoff win. They've taken a step back. Um, that's a distant memory. They've combined records since 2016. He's 21-42-1. And its points differential is a minus 277 in that stretch. So heading into the offseason, got the number one pick for the first time since 2003. They're definitely in transition. They're definitely transitioning from Andy Dalton to Joe Burrow. They're going to try to get as much as they can for Andy Dalton in the trade. I presume they're going to take Joe Burrow. I don't think they're going to trade that pick, even for a boatload of picks. I don't see that. Uh, you don't pass – don't say, well, we'll get a bunch of picks. It's kind of when people say, oh, the Redskins did pass chase and get a bunch of picks. bunch of picks don't help you. If you've got an elite player, you take an elite player. If you've got a franchise quarterback, there's no amount that you trade out for. You only do it if you don't believe in Chase Young or Joe Burrow. In my opinion, if you think that about the player, then you misevaluated the player. But assuming Burrow's the man and Zach Taylor's got a guy that he can build around, this team was ranked 25th in points, 29th in yards, 28th in touchdown, and 32nd in rushing yards. Got to fix the running game. Likely going to have to play Burrow right away if Dalton's gone. Do they, they're the type of organization where they keep him, play him, let Burrow sit. Don't think so. But either way, Joe Burrow looks like the future there. Um. You look at their recent history in the draft, they don't invest a whole lot in free agency, which puts a high hit rate in the draft, demands that you hit a high hit rate. Those picks delivered early in the 2010s, but they've gotten ugly of late. The 15 class is wiped out, aside for C.J. Azuma. First-round picks in 17, John Ross and 18, Billy Price, look like very ineffective picks. William Jackson, the 2016 first-rounder, appeared heady for stardom, but then plateaued this past season. 16 to 18 classes otherwise have had some solid contributors with Tyler Board and Joe Mixon and Jesse Bates, but many are average to below-average starters. The emergence of the 2018 seventh-rounder Auden Tate helps, but the 19 class must make major strides. Tyler Board was probably the best pick in that run in 16. It's been really good. But guys like Cedric, Ibuke really, really disappointed for them. Jonah Williams last year had shoulder surgery in June, missed the entire rookie season. Let's not forget, you know, get back healthy, you've got something to work with there. Drew Sample, tight end from Washington, played uh, only 18% of the snaps last year, caught five passes, had season-ending ankle injury. So you got two injury situations there. Jermaine Pratt became a starter in the second half, struggled with consistency, need him to come back. Ryan Finley of NC State, 
A little bit of an audition, struggled in his three starts. Rennell Wren of Arizona State, if you remember him, rotational work. Showed not much ability to be disruptive, but played a little bit. Michael Jordan, the guard from Ohio State, started week one at left guard. Get benched in week six. Regained his job later in the season. Got some hope. Travion Williams, good special teams player. Played just seven offensive snaps. Deshaun Davis at Auburn didn't make the 53-man roster, released from the Jags practice squad, joined the Eagles practice squad. Rodney Anderson, Oklahoma running back, recovered from an ACL tear. Jordan Brown, the corner from San Diego State, didn't make the 53-man roster. So Williams' surgery was a huge blow. The class produced little. Jordan and Pratt must make progress to kind of rebound this staff. Quarterback's a big need. What have they done in this offseason? Well, they put the tag on A.J. Green. They signed D.J. Reeder at defensive tackle. They signed Trey Waynes at corner. They signed Mackenzie Alexander at corner. What are their needs? Quarterbacks a need. I think they certainly need an inside backer. You know, got to add some depth, got to add some quality. Now, they've used their last two first-round picks on offensive linemen they need to do a better job and have some better fortune there. Got to get better on that offensive line. So all that needs to be addressed. They also uh, agreed to a deal with Vaughn Bell. Let's not forget that. So I think they improved their secondary, and they certainly got a good defensive tackle on D.J. Reader. And we know A.J. Green, what he can do. Um, but missed out on some other guys. And probably need to add some weapons. I think certainly uh, adding um, some weapons for Joe Burrow, some protection for Joe Burrow, um, offensive line help. So we'll see what they can do. Um, you, you've got some options maybe at a tight end too that can help. But the offensive line is a priority. Um, and, and certainly maybe the second wave of free agency, they can add some veterans. But those are those are kind of the key elements for the Bengals. The Cleveland Browns, oh, what a season last year. So many expectations. You could see it coming, couldn't you? Began the 19th season with a talented roster, but you wonder how good of a team they would be. They weren't very disciplined. They weren't very organized. They didn't come close to their expectations. They finished 6-10. and 10. Think about this. They had the same record as the quote-unquote tanking Dolphins. So people that were Oh, they are going to go to the Super Bowl conversation last year at this time. Oh, the Dolphins are going to tank for Tua, and they ended up with the same record. Just goes to show you how nonsensical some of those comments are, but every year people make them. Um, you know, the problem that the Browns have, and this is scary and obviously disappointing, but the problem is ownership, which creates lack of stability. They're constantly trying to find lightning in a bottle. You don't find lightning in a bottle. You win as an organization. You win with structure. You win with patience. You win with the philosophical approach that you stick with. They have a revolving door. It's a philosophy du jour in Cleveland. I mean, you don't ever know from one year to the next, heck, you don't know from one month to the next what they're trying to do. 
and they're constantly trying to reverse course. And so while they had some talent, they you don't win with talent. You win with talent that you can put together in good positions and work together. Baker Mayfield is very undisciplined. He's a big play guy, yes. He's a highlight maker. But he's also makes too many mistakes, not very disciplined. Odell Beckham is very much a diva. And so you throw guys like that together and you think it's going to just come out well, and it very rarely does. You complicate issues by putting a Freddie Kitchens in that he was not qualified at that point for that job, and it all blew up. So you got a general manager that you know hires Freddie Kitchens because he can control Freddie Kitchens, and he's just going to throw talent without any rhyme or reason of how to develop it because, well, he did some of that, saw some of that take place in Green Bay. The difference was you had a really good coach in Mike Holmgren that could bring all of that together. This wasn't a very good staff, and while it had some talent on the roster, and they still have talent on the roster, pulling it all together is going to be the key. So it was self-discipline has got to be cultivated, and it's not in this organization. They do have some weapons. You still got Beckham. You still got Landry. You got Nick Chubb. You've got one of the better defensive ends in the league in Miles Garrett. But, you know, they didn't have a lot of mental toughness. They didn't have a lot of discipline. And they had a chance to beat the Rams, to beat the Seahawks, the second game with the Steelers. They came up empty. So we'll see if they can just be better focused, better organized, better disciplined and get more out of the talent that they do have while continuing to try to work, improve some of these areas. Let's take a look at the five-year breakdown. Got all that draft capital, man. Man, all those picks. Picks don't mean anything. It's the players you get with those picks. Of the eight first-rounders since 2015, only four remain. And David Njoku could be traded David Njoku hasn't been what they had hoped. But Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, really good picks. You know, Garrett's had some issues. Mayfield's had some issues. So, meanwhile, of the 25 picks from 15 to 16, only two remain. And both Joe Schubert and Rashad Higgins are you know, guys that were free agents and moving on. Things have improved since, but... The once promising players in that like Callaway and the Juco and Gerard Avery and you know fallen out of favor. Constantly revolving door of philosophies and coaches. Nick Chubb and Larry Okajobi are solid building blocks, but what do you really have? You have a lot of instability that's led to the problems. This past draft, Greedy Williams started from day one. Battle hamstring problems was inconsistent. The linebacker Takiaka from BYU started a few snaps on defense, but a really good special teamer. Redwine from Miami is a core special teamer. Malk Wilson started early, dazzled at time with his cover skills, but wasn't real productive or instinctive. Austin Seibert was pretty impressive for him. Drew Forbes spent most of the year, first half of the year anyway, on IR. And Donnie Lewis, the corner from Tulane, didn't make the roster, spent a year in the practice squad. So... 
first pick was used to acquire Odell Beckham, which hasn't worked out much better than the rest of the picks. What have they done this offseason? They signed Andrew Billings to a one-year deal, Adrian Claiborne to a two-year deal. Jack Conklin was their big signing on the offensive line to a three-year, $42 million deal. B.J. Goodson signed a one-year deal. Austin Hooper paid him a ton of money at tight end. Kareem Hunt put a second-round tender on him. Uh, they acquired Andy Jankovic, good fullback in the trade. Kevin Johnson agreed to one-year deal. The cornerback called Joseph, signed with the Browns on a one-year deal. Case Keenum, quality backup. Andrews and Zale signed on a one-year deal. So what are their needs still? Well, you look at them, and you figure out you still could use a young left tackle type inside backer, young safety, Maybe a guard never can have enough edge rushers, outside backer. I mean, there's absolutely some areas that you could see them fitting. Now, Conklin certainly helps um, fit that right tackle mold. Um, But getting the left tackle position solidified and certainly maybe an elite player in the interior of the offensive line would help. Certainly free safety. Tight end position's been addressed. So that's a look. And we'll see what they can do. And mainly to see what direction and what organization, which discipline they can improve upon is going to be key for them. And then finally in the division, talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. What a season it was for them. Um, What could go wrong did go wrong. And injuries are a part of the game, yes, but... Man, the injuries. It's going to be remembered for that. They lost Ben Roethlisberger to a season-ending elbow injury. Um, Stephon Tuitt, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a knee, knee injury. They still were 8-5. and five. Controlled their playoff fate in mid-December. Lost their final three games. Finished 8-8 eight and eight out of the playoffs. So um, the offense is one of the league's best with Roethlisberger finished 30th in total offense. Scored one offensive touchdown in eight of their final nine games with backups Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. Stayed in contention because their defense was so good. They were fifth in total defense, led the league in takeaways, uh, 38 uh, and in sacks with 54. Outside backer T.J. Watt was outstanding. Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick were great. Dominant unit for much of the season. Six times in the final eight games, they held their opponents to 17 points or fewer. Um. This has a chance to be a bounce-back year for this team, just if they can stay healthy, having Big Ben back. They had some lean years the past few years, 15 and 16. Bud Dupree took a long time to deliver, but he's starting to do so. The 15 class, um, only other holdover is uh, Chicolo. 16, they had Audie Burns and Sean Davis, um, Javon Hargrave, Tyler Matakiewicz. Uh 17 was really good. T.J. Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, battled injuries but been productive. 18, you had Mason Rudolph, not the long-term answer, but T.J. Watt's been been a big, big, big-time find. This past year, Devin Bush had his rookie moments, but he's got nose for the ball. Good addition. Deontay Johnson, very productive receiver, but we couldn't really see it with the quarterback play. Justin Lane. Played no defensive snaps, so it's good on special teams for him. Benny Snell um, 
got a little playing time. Not bad. I don't know that he's the long-term answer at running back, but he can be part of the rotation. Zach Gentry was a healthy scratch mode of the year and 49 snaps. Sutton Smith, the outside backer from Northern Illinois, didn't make the roster, bounced around um, in practice squads. Isaiah Bugs from Alabama, rotation snaps early. Didn't do a whole lot. Ulysses Gilbert from Akron, a core special teamer, the linebacker, and Derwin Gray of Maryland didn't make the roster. So um, Bush has paid dividends, will pay dividends, and Johnson, I think, exceeded expectations given the quarterback situation, but a lot of question marks. So what do they go? What have they done? Well, Bud Dupree put the tag on him. They like him. Eric Ebron is signed. Better believe he's going to play well, and certainly you saw what the Colts can do with him as opposed to to what Detroit didn't do with him. Derek Watt had another Watt. Certainly role-playing special teams fullback. Chris Wormley acquired him, the defensive tackle, in the trade with the Ravens, along with the seventh-round pick in exchange for a fifth-round pick. And Stefan Wisniewski signed a two-year deal. Still needs some help. The running game needs to be addressed. I think they need another receiver, no question. A speedy guy. Uh, they need to... You need one of the – I think running back is going to be a bigger priority than people might think. Um, I think they feel like Ebron can really be the guy at tight end. Uh, I think a young interior defensive lineman, a young tackle is something they'll look at. Uh, You need to be looking at possibly quarterback into the future because you you certainly don't have your your future quarterback – uh, beyond Big Ben. Inside backer, you know, um, Wisniewski uh, going to be a good fit. Another young corner. So those are some of the, the options there, I think, that uh, are going to be there for the Steelers. They do a pretty good job for the most part. Uh, but figuring out the playmakers on offense, Big Ben can stay healthy, can protect him, maybe get another back, another playmaker at receiver. Defense is held together. This team this team can really challenge in that division and in the AFC. All right, so let's finish out with some questions. We've gone a little long today. We apologize for that. Um, Nick asks, how does the uh, head coaching staff weekly opponents film study uh, differ from respective coordinators and other assistants on the staff? Well, the head coach will look at the entire game. Now, he will be more involved in the area that he's from. So if he's Come from a defensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator style, he may be a little bit more involved. And what's his role there depends upon um, whether he's the play caller. Now, I mean, obviously, Sean Payton's the play caller. Um, uh, Kyle Shanahan's the play caller. So so they're going to spend a more time. Uh, uh, Sean McVay, another example. So it just depends on who it is. They're going to spend more time looking at that side of the ball and who they're playing up against and delegate a little bit more in the defensive side of the ball. But it depends, um, you know, but they'll look at some of the other stuff. and, and they'll, they'll um, But a guy that's more of an overseer, walk-around guy, he's going to dabble into a little bit. Um, but, again, it depends upon the coach and the situation. Uh, on the day after the game, does a head coach sit down with respective coordinators and watch the tape, or do the coordinators watch the tape themselves? Here's what happens. Day after the game, coordinators watch their tape, the position coaches watch their tape, everybody grades it independently. Then you come back, and the coordinators and the position coaches watch it together to go over that. 
and the head coach will sit in on that. Either he may be heavily involved. Like I said, if you're an offensive coordinator, you're looking at that side um, intently. If you're a head coach that's not as involved in play calling, you look in a little bit of both. So, But you meet as a staff and go over it after you do it. So you're, you're involved in the whole process uh, as a head coach. Uh, you mentioned I noticed Kirby Smart was on the staff for a season with Nick Saban during his time with the Dolphins. What your evaluation of Coach Smart as an NFL coach? Uh, well, he had a couple of guys. He had um, Muschamp as well. Uh, they they were good young coaches. Not a not a long enough time. They're both better fits in college because their strength in both cases are recruiting. <clears throat> Mackey asks, can you tell me where you see uh, Boise State? Um, uh, let's see. Um, oh, you're talking about. I thought you were talking about Cleveland. Oh, you're talking about Ezra Cleveland from Boise State as a prospect. He seems to be a guy you may have missed. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what you mean, but may have missed. He's right there on the horizontal draft board. Got a fourth round grade on him. Um, Ezra Cleveland is from Boise State. Six five three ten. Moves pretty well. Three year starter at. Offensive tackle there. Um, really did a good job at the Senior Bowl against good level of competition. He looks the part, big, broad shoulders, uh, good arm length, well-distributed body, good flexibility, balance. Um, he's a really good player, not a great athlete, doesn't have a lot of upside. Maybe a little bit uh, similar to a David Bakhtiari type, uh, but uh, it, it, I think he's probably going to be a guard for most people. Um Right tackle guy, not a fit for everybody, just athletically is a little bit limited, uh, not real good fit for his own scheme, but good man scheme guy that I think can be a quality right tackle uh, guard type. I think he'd be good value in the fourth round, could go as high as the second round, I mean as the third round. Uh, any higher than that's a little bit of a reach. So I hope that uh, is answers your question on Ezra Cleveland, uh, offensive tackle slash guard at Boise State. Hey, folks, we appreciate that. Went a little long today. Apologize. Questions got to a lot of players. Broke down the North. We're going to get to the NFC North tomorrow, so check it out. Also, reminder to check out um, the College Football Show as we break down everything to do with the college game and a lot of draft prospects, so you want to check that out as well. Uh, so give us a listen over there and give the folks at 401k Generation a call or a text. Tell them that you heard about them from us right here. They can help you with any issues related to financial planning, money management. 1-866-998-5879. Check out LandryFootball.com. Scouting season offer, the best one we've ever had. Get a look at the, the draft board. Uh, listen to the scouting reports on them. You can get a good feel. You feel like you're in an NFL draft room, and you get the full breakdown of these players and see where they are on the draft board, where their value is, and understand that what you're getting value-wise and obviously how that pertains to where they're likely to get drafted. And it's not one and the same. Understand that better. Get a better feel for it by becoming a member of LandryFootball.com. Less than $5 a month will get you access to a scouting department. So check it out today. Hey, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Check us out over on the College Football Show, Big 12 and Beyond Today. 
Pac-12 um, football and beyond on Friday. Talk to you tomorrow. Listen to you. Talk to you over on the college side as well. I'm Chris Landry. Have a great one. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.